Good morning, everyone. Today's scripture reading is um, Psalms chapter 88. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee, incline and hear unto my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that hath no strength. Free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, whom thou rememberest no more, and they are cut off from thy hand. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the deeps. Thy rod light hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Thou hast put away mine acquaintance far from me. Thou hast made me an abomination unto them. I am shut up, and I cannot come forth. Mine high mourn it by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or thy faithfulness in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark, and thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth while I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. Thy fierce rod goeth go over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. They came round about me daily. Water, they compassed me about, to, about together. Lover and friend, as thou put far from me, and my acquaintance, into darkness. This is the word of the Lord. Now we're good? Ooh, there we go. Does help to turn things on. Thanks to Dave for playing uh, the offertory. Dave is a very talented guy and writes a lot of his own music. And I assume that, Dave, that was one of yours. So thank you for sharing that with us. And thanks also for Rebecca for reading a tough psalm, uh, Psalm 88. We've been looking at what we're calling wintry psalms. So the good news is today is one, and then one more next week, and then we're done. So if you're tired of wintry psalms, <laughs> and you want something a little more upbeat, well, it's coming, man. This is Friday. Easter Sunday's coming, as they say. So... Um, then we will look for Lent at some lovely texts from the Gospel of Mark. So today, a wintry psalm, 
and one more next week. And this one I'm calling a long day's night, because as I said off the top, the Psalms uh, divide into different categories, really three categories, Psalms of orientation, when everything is wonderful, Psalms of disorientation, or also known as laments, and that's what this one is. And then there are also psalms of reorientation, where there's a movement from challenges of darkness into light. All right, So the three types of psalms that are there, and this is one of these psalms of disorientation. And actually, of all of the psalms, it is what we would call the darkest. Because typically, the psalms of disorientation end with a statement of light. But this one, there's no light at the end. And in fact, the last word of the psalm is actually the word darkness. That's the Hebrew word there. So, you know, it's, it's an honest statement. It, it tells the story of how often we feel uh, we can be lonely and isolated. The story here sounds like it's an individual who has been suffering from sickness and most likely leprosy. And so, as you know, in the day, lepers were, even up until the day, day of Christ, I mean, this is a thousand years before Christ, they, leprosy was not understood. So people were separated. They knew it was contagious. So if you had leprosy, you were isolated. You weren't part of the community anymore. Couldn't be. And so this person has suffered leprosy, we're told, from their youth. And now they are at the very end, close to death. And so you can imagine someone in that situation, you know, life has not been a happy time for this guy. And, you know, we go through our periods where life is not a happy time. Well, that's very much what's going on here. And like last week, but even darker, this person wonders what's, what's next. It's just darkness. We also know in biblical theology, remember, that things, theological things, develop, ideas develop over time. So in the Psalms, there was not a clear understanding of life after death. There was not. There are glimmers of it. But there isn't a clear statement about life after death until the book of Daniel. Daniel was just four or 500 years before the New Testament. So it's, it's, they have glimmers of what's coming, but by and large, death is just seen as a region of shadows. And so... You know, if you're at the end and you're in that kind of reality, then it's tough. So having said that, we, we look at, someone said to me last week, I won't mention who, that uh, sometimes I go through my slides too quickly and I don't let people see them, particularly if you're taking notes. So I do hear that, all right? So I will try to be a bit more careful as I go here. What happens is I flip back periodically then I forget where we are, and I zip forward, and then chaos happens, apparently. Anyway, normally end in hope. Psalm 88 does not. 
We're going to follow the outline of the psalm, and in the psalm, verses 1 and 9 and 13, there are three entreaties. There are three times where the psalmist calls out, and those three times of calling out really become the outline of the psalm, all right? So it begins with, O Lord, God of my salvation, when at night, so this person is now thinking of night, when at night I cry out in your presence, let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry, O Lord, God of my salvation. So if there is any light in this psalm, it happens off the top. So get ready, this is as good as it gets, all right? This is the light. Then it gets dark. Sometimes when we're down in the Prince Edward County area, if you get up early, there'll be a bit of sun that comes up. The sun radiates over the fields, farmers' fields. And then very quickly, it clouds over, and then it gets darker, and the whole day is dark, 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 dark. The only light is that first light for maybe 20 minutes. There's some sun, and then it goes. Well, that's the way it is here. For a few moments, there is light. And in fact, we have three names or titles for God here. We have Yahweh, Jehovah, which is the name that is used by Israel when they are thinking of their relationship with God. It is God in relationship with his people, Yahweh. So we are in relationship with God as well. So we can call God Yahweh and have that sense that we are connected. So the psalmist begins with this sense of connection. And then there's the title Elohim, and Elohim is God all-powerful. God, creator of the entire universe. Powerful. And then there's the Lord of my salvation, which can also be translated Savior. So it is... God as our Redeemer. So in spite of what the theology says at the end, they're not really sure what's going on after death, the psalmist has this sense that God is Yahweh, I'm in relationship with him. He is all-powerful, he's creator, and he is my Redeemer. But the focus in that day is how all of that happens in the day. What does that mean for me today? In my life now, Yahweh, Elohim, Savior, it's all now. At least that's the, the big focus. So it does remind us that God is there for us in our now. Toll wrote a book, Eckhart Toll, on living in the now, the now, the importance of the now. Well, the psalmist is very much there. And we note that he cries out, my God, so my God means we are in relationship. It says that. So I have all these questions. I haven't liked my life. I've been sick my entire life. But he still calls God my God. So, of course, is there an invitation for us in that, too? And then it says, let my prayer come before you, a conversation with God. So the psalmist models for us, if you like, a, a, a dynamic where we live in relationship with God amidst the questions that we carry. So we don't turn away from God in the midst of our challenges, but that he is there and I go to him. So you know if that's part of your experience or not. Are we turning to God? Are you turning to God? In the hard times, are you turning or are you 
moving away. That's, all, that's always the question for us. doesn't matter who it is. There's a lot of overtones in this psalm with the book of Job. A lot of the same language. And so the, 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 those themes come through. And of course, you know that Job was afflicted. Afflicted in illness. His whole family is, is eradicated. They, he is maybe even in a worse situation than this psalmist. But what's one of the great cries of Job? If I perish, I will praise you. So there's such a deep commitment that the challenges of life will not erase that. So the book of Job says, even when his friends turn on him, even when his friends communicate the theology of the day, which was, if life goes badly, it's because you messed up. You are having a hard time in life because you screwed up, man. That's why. And that's what his friends are saying. Why? Because that's how it was understood. So, you know, things have shifted, right? So the, the psalmist is wondering. Job wondered. But they hang in there with God. So it cries out at night. In the wee hours of night, where are you? Years and years ago, I remember working at a, I've told it, with folk who had challenges, disabilities, and periodically you'd, you'd work on the night shift. And, you know, you do all night. You had to be awake all night. You had your work to do. Can you imagine I had to cook the dinner for the next night? Yikes, that was a scary thought. They didn't really look forward to my dinners when I was on. But you know, at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, it's, uh, it really starts getting to you right around then. You feel like you're the only person on the planet who's awake. And of course, there's lots of others who are, right? But it's a different feeling at 3 or 4 in the morning. Dark outside, everybody's asleep, more or less, and you're doing your thing. So this psalmist is writing this. He's reflecting at night, probably on his bed. These are the thoughts. But nevertheless, he's in a relationship with God. So that's the first cry. It carries on, just to finish that, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. Note, these are synonyms for death. My life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. That's the synonym for death. I am like those who have no help. So when it comes to the pit, when it comes to Sheol, when it comes to death, the word death or grave, or even later, verse 11, Abaddon, these were all places of this shadowy region. That's what the psalmist is working on. And so life is challenging. All, all of this, I'm isolated, I'm lonely, I'm on my own because I don't have friends. Don't have friends who care for me. Bonnie was rightly recognizing that we are a family. We are connected together. We care for one another in those challenges. You can imagine this guy doesn't have that. At least he doesn't feel that. Totally alone. So that's where this beginning starts. That's the first call. Overtones of Job, the absence of God, the distance of God. Where are you, God? 
We move on. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call on you. Note verse 9. This is the second. Every day I call on you, Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the shades rise up to praise you? See, these are all these. I'm not quite sure what happens later. But they call out. And when does he call out? This time he, every day I call out to you. During the day he's now calling. Good news is he keeps going to God in prayer, keeps going to God in relationship, even though there's this sense of absence, the sense of distance. Maybe this sense of indifference. Ever feel that way? God is just indifferent to your pain, to your sorrows. Psalmist can feel that. Every day I call on to you. But then interesting, verses 10 to 12, he keeps questioning God, but he questions God in light of his attributes. Kind of a clever, clever move. Let's just look at those. If you read Psalm 88, 10 to 12. Do you work wonders for the dead? God is a God of wonders. Do the shades rise up to praise you? Verse 11. Is your steadfast love de- declared in the grave? God's kessed. God's kindness, we talked about that, Shara talked about kindness, Kesed. Or your faithfulness in Abaddon, Abaddon, another word for death. Are your wonders known in the darkness, or your saving help in the land of forgetfulness? So for 10 to 12, if you look carefully at the text, there are attributes of God, but the attributes are recognized, but the God, the, the psalmist is saying, does, can I... Proclaim these attributes and praise you in that way when I'm dead. See, he doesn't know if he can. But God is praised in those ways. He's wrestling, wrestling with God. Jacob wrestled with the angel, right, all night. And in the midst of the wrestling, what happens? He gets injured in his leg. And then the rest of his life, he has a limp. Be careful when you're wrestling with God. So Jacob wrestles all night. And again, that's, that's, that's an invitation for us. You know, in the Jewish community, there's a big commitment today to wrestling. What is going on in Israel right now? Let me tell you, the Jewish community is wrestling with that. There are lots of different opinions right across the Jewish scale, many, many different senses and denominations, if you like, within the Jewish community. This this right-wing radical group that's in right now, that's one group. And there's a lot of wrestling. There's a lot of arguing. In the Christian community, for some reason, we don't feel that comfortable arguing with God. We feel we should just accept it. Okay. Just say yes and move on. Jewish community, man, they wrestle. They, when they have a problem with God, they tell God that. I have a problem with what's going on. But the beauty of it is they stay in relationship with God all the way through it. They don't turn away. So we can learn something there. Wrestling, like Jacob. Jacob is one of our heroes of the faith. He's mentioned, right? Hebrews 11. He's, he's one we look to. He wrestled with God all night. Not knowing what the heck he should do. Should he go back and meet his brother Esau, who he cheated out of his 
inheritance. He didn't know if he'd be killed. All those questions, like real issues. How will I be received by my brother who I cheated? So what does he do? He sends all kinds of gifts ahead of time. He's smart. All kinds of gifts, donkeys, camels, whatever it might be, horses. These are all yours. Sends them all ahead of time. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Finally, they, they make up. Wrestling with God, the second piece. Moves on. But, O oh Lord, I cry out to you in the morning now. My prayer comes before you. And then there's these accusations. Oh, Lord, why do you cast me off? Why do you hide your face from me? This is where it gets the darkest. Accusing God of being indifferent to his demands and needs. And so in the morning I cry out. Darkness. Kind of reads like an Edward Albee play. 20th century, dark. So having said all that, where do we go with that? Maybe this is not your experience at all. I hope it isn't, actually. But what does it say? Number one, the psalm reminds us that we do have an end. Becker wrote a famous book called The Denial of Death, and he says our culture lives in the denial of death. We don't even want to talk about death. Right up to the end. I've been with people in the, in, the, in the hospital and palliative and right up, right up to the day. It's clear to everybody in the room that they're dying and they don't want to look at they're dying. Well, I don't know what will happen next. I don't know. Well, everybody else knows. You're gone. We deny death. The psalmist is saying don't. It's part of life. It's there for us, all of us, right? It's all going to happen. Part of the cycle. So, recognize it. Number one. Two, we groan, but we do so in hope. So in this psalm, the hope is off the top. Yahweh, Elohim, Savior. As it goes through, you, you know, he has all these questions. But there is a measure of hope there. And of course, in the other laments, the one we look at next week, it'll be more obvious. Thirdly, the psalmist does not give up. He persists. So will we persist in the midst of our challenges? Fourthly, interesting, he uses the word cleave. That song we sang, Rock of My Salvation, the word is actually in the text, it is cleave. I think we maybe changed it because it sounds old. But there's a commitment to cleaving to God. Not just persisting, but cleaving. Really staying close. Clinging to God. And it's what's interesting here is that this psalmist feels like nobody knows him, right? Everybody's forgotten him. But this psalm, actually, there's an inscription off the top that tells us his name. His name was Heman. So he is rem remembered for writing this psalm. He is remembered for all of his discouragement, all of his the sense of darkness. He feels that nobody knows my name, nobody remembers me. And here we are 3,000 years ago reading his psalm and saying his name was Heman. And so as Kidner writes, his existence was no mistake. There was a divine plan bigger than he knew and a place in it reserved most carefully for him. 
His existence was no mistake. And at times we can think, you know, man, at the end of my days, well, what's, what's anybody going to say? <laughs> Who's going to come to my funeral? We can feel like there's like, what have, what has happened? What have I done? I've done, I've done nothing. But the good news is, right, that God knows, and he knows all of those acts of kindness and goodness that you have done in your life. The grocery store standing in line, smiling at someone, encouraging them, lifting them up. He knows all of that. And all of that is worth a ton in his sight. He knows. And he will reward in his own way. He, he knows all the good things. And everybody, we all, we all have those kinds of moments. Caring for your kids. Going to their school plays. When I was, when I was 40, I was a bit of snob, you know, in, in music. I was a snob. And my kids would invite me to the school concerts. And I found them so painful. I'd go to this concert, and particularly the band, the orchestra. Oh, man. It was completely a disaster, right? Everybody's out of tune, doesn't know what the heck they're doing. I would just find it painful. So I would, I would have a hard time going. I think back on it. You know, I was totally a snob. Sorry, you guys. I should have been more encouraging. Right? You are way better than me, and you, probably, you went to those concerts, right? And you, you smiled and said, way, way to go. But God knows all those good things. Our existence is no mistake. Everybody, absolutely everybody, everybody. And we count on God, we just look to him. Leave it in his hands. That's what we can do. And finally, when we come to the New Testament, it, it, it reminds us of the necessity of what God has done in Jesus. Because now there is hope. What does Paul say? Death is not the end. The grave is not the end. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where is your victory? There's a new day. Death is not the end. Resurrection is the, is the end. Wow. Resurrection. Resurrection. Life. Abounding in life. It just makes sense. If God is God and you are related to him, he wants to be connected with you forever. Why, why would he want you to just disappear in death? And that's it. So there's this commitment to us, and that is what we are to hang on to in all of the Psalms. The hope that we have come to in Christ that's revealed over time. There was a famous theologian, Bernard Herring, and Herring was, was, had a long, prestigious career in the universities teaching theology. At the end of his life, he got quite sick. And he found that contemplating what Jesus had done in his suffering. My solidarity in 
and with Jesus. He found that that was really very helpful and inspiring in his own life. He found a lot of solace there, that Christ is in solidarity with me in my pain. Do I have more physical pain than Christ's? Probably not. In all the ways that our pain can be deadened now, Christ knew none of that. So is there a solidarity with Jesus? Herring said yes, and I find encouragement in that. So there's something there. Death is not the end. Resurrection is the end. That's what this table is about, is it not? Resurrection is the end. In me, there is resurrection in life. And so we go to Christ in that way. Darkness is not the end. God's goodness and God's mercy, God's love is the end. In fact, there is no end. It's a very bright future, full of hope. Amen. Amen.